Hey everybody, it is Trags episode 17 of Jungle Roar, a Cincy football podcast. This week, I welcome old friend Lindsey Patterson of Q102 and the newest addition to the allbengals.com roster along with uh, my good buddy, James Rapine. Follow Lindsey on Twitter at L-N-D-S-P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N. Okay, Lindsey, welcome, first of all. Again, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, the story behind your Twitter handle. The story behind my Twitter handle, it's not that creative because I ended up getting Twitter back in the day I was in college. And the only reason I got it was because I wanted to book interviews when I worked over at ESPN 1530. And I felt Mm -hmm. that was going to be my best option. So I wish I had a better story. And I probably could change it, but this unfortunately just worked for me and it was simple and easy. And you get your first and your last name when the Twitter handle is always key, but a lot of the good ones were, were taken. Very good. I, I can accept that. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, a tweet you had after the Sunday debacle at Paul Brown Stadium. And I think it summed up, I think, a lot of the sentiment of fans, which is why I thought it was such a great tweet. I'm not mad just disappointed. And I think coming into this season, if you had told Bengal fans at that, at the bite, at the bye after nine games, the Bengals would be five and four and really in, in very good realistic position to make a second half run at the postseason, they would have taken that in a heartbeat. But after starting five and two and the way they ended the jets game, I, I wrote on Sunday, the last 67 minutes have been pretty abysmal for the Bengals and their fans. Um, How did you feel emotionally after that 41-16 game on Sunday? It's kind of wild because I know everybody's going to look back at the Browns game and just be disappointed because they were 2-0 in the division at the same time. I feel like that game was more of when it rains, it pours. And you can look at the defensive side, you can look at the offensive side, but when you turn the ball over, that's the outcome you're going to get. And everything was going perfect for the Cleveland Browns. I think, honestly, you go back to the game a week prior, the Jets game. The Jets game and the Packers game is where it really stings when you lose a game like that at home at Paul Brown Stadium. You've been at all the home games this year and how close they've been. How Cincinnati's been in pretty much all of their games, even the Bears game. They ended up losing by three points. So I think this game is more disappointing for for what the outcome has been for the last two weeks combined. And, of course, it's going to give you a bad taste in your mouth. But this was more of a everybody had a very bad game on the Bengals side. And when you see that play out of Joe Burrow, that's going to be your outcome. Uh, Burrow and Jamar Chase have been the two guys who have kept them in a lot of games this year. No question. (laughs) The defense has played really well, Uh, but, but things are kind of falling off there right now. And I think this was just a true test to kind of going into the bye week mentally and physically, you could say this team is pretty healthy compared to a lot of the other NFL teams right now going into their bye week. But I think they need it more for their mindset to reset it. And the Browns game is disappointing, but you can't lay eggs like you did two weeks ago, too. And they would be in a better position even after the Browns loss if that wouldn't have happened. That is precisely, Lindsey Patterson, what I was thinking about as I was walking along Pete Rose Way. Uh, under the plaza of Paul Brown Stadium to my car uh, after the game Sunday night. Look, this game against the Browns was bad. They stunk it up. They lost 41-16. They got beat by a team that outplayed them, period. The last seven minutes of the Jet game is what really concerns me. 
as I watch this team closely. That is a game where they had an inferior team down. They had them beaten, a very inferior team. They had a, you know, it's been well documented. Mike White was making his first career NFL start, and they just let that slip away. And the commonality in those two losses are two very bad Joe Burrow uh, interceptions. one of which, the, you know, the Jet player made a terrific play at the line of scrimmage, tipped the pass. Yes, he made a great play. Uh, and yes, he intercepted the ball. Uh, but it's still concerning that the Bengals and Burrow turned it over. The, the throw, the pick, or the two picks, but especially the, the pick six that uh, Burrow threw, threw to Denzel Ward, I did not think was a good decision at all. You've got to have better quarterback play. Are you concerned, Lindsay, with the number of interceptions that Joe Burrow has thrown so far this year. I think we praise Joe Burrow. So you've got to criticize for the interceptions and and turning the ball over as much as he has, because you can even look back to the Packers game. And there are a lot of reasons that they fell in that one. Evan McPherson missed kicks, but Joe had another interception there in in a timely game. So I I think that's something that you do have to reevaluate Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor, and Joe Burrow just going into this bye week before they get back into the action in the second half of the season, because that should be a concern. It it really should be. I I still don't know what Joe was thinking because the ball, the offense was just moving the ball so quickly and something that they've really struggled with in a lot of games this year. And they were moving down the field just fine. And and to make that throw, I know you have Jamar Chase out there. uh, It's a concern. It it definitely is a concern because if we're going to praise everything that Joe Burrow doesn't believe me, I think he's the best quarterback for this team, and they're very lucky no to question. have him. Right. I mean, but, nobody's doubting that. It's just yeah. that if they are going to go where I think and they think they are capable of going this year, Joe Burrow needs to improve. And, they, and that place is the postseason. I definitely think, based on everything else I've seen in the AFC so far through half the 2021 season, they are as good as – 90, 95% of the teams in the AFC. I really believe that in my heart of hearts that this team, if they play to their potential, will be in the postseason. But uh, Joe Burrow, uh, the bigger problem I have than the interceptions is sometimes I think Joe is guilty of forcing the ball to Jamar because he wants to force teams into defending him so he op- opens up the rest of the field. But when the ball isn't there, when the, when the space isn't there, and he thinks it is to Jamar, that's where we have a problem. And that's the bigger concern. That's the underlying uh, principle of the problem rather than just the symptom. The symptom is the interception, Lindsay. The problem is forcing the ball to Jamar Chase when he's not open. You know, just talking prior to when the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow, I talked to so many different people around LSU, college football, the NFL. And over the last year, year and a half, he's been in Cincinnati. And, and the things that people praise Joe Burrow for is his football IQ. Uh, just coming back the way he has from his injury. And I thought he was, this guy's going to be fine when he comes back out there because of how smart of a football mm-hmm. player he is. And I still think that way. But I agree with you. You can't force something that isn't there. I know Jamar Chase is his guy. You got Tyler Boyd out there. You got T. Higgins. And then you got the running back room. He, he definitely has to go into this bye weekend thinking about those decisions. And yes, Jamar Chase, there are plenty of opportunities in the last couple of games, just that game alone against the Cleveland Browns, that he needs to make that play too, as, as the, the guy in the first round, the number five pick. But at the same time, Joe has to better in those situations and you can't be thrown into traffic, even though you have Jamar Chase on your team. 
Speaking with Lindsay Patterson of Q102 here in Cincinnati, as well as the newest edition, a very talented edition to allbengals.com. Uh, you mentioned, and you tweeted this out, uh, not targeting, speaking of receivers, not targeting Tyler Boyd on Sunday was a big miss. And that got a lot of uh, play and a lot of interaction on your Twitter feed, uh, I can see. And I think deservedly so. And I think, you know, we, we as a press corps brought it up uh, to Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow after the game. Again, Zach was asked about it on Monday, and he said, look, we're going to do our best to spread the ball around, you know, the coach speak, the quarterback speak. But Tyler Boyd was targeted two times with one completion of 11 11 yards. That's not going to cut it. Now, uh, in fairness to Burrow, if he gets protected, if the running back or the tight end stays in and picks up the Troy Hill block off the corner, uh, on one of the sacks, that play was destined for a huge play, according to Zach Taylor, for big yardage to Tyler Boyd. Still, in all, they need to get Tyler Boyd more involved in this offense second half of the season. Yeah, Tyler Boyd's one of those guys in there. And he, there was a lot of talk when when the Jamar Chase, picking Jamar Chase, another wide receiver in the room, because everybody would say, well, you, got, you have Tyler Boyd, you have T. Higgins, why do you need another receiver? I still agreed they needed another receiver, and they they made the right choice with Jamar Chase. But at the same time, if you look back at a lot of games in Tyler Boyd's career in Cincinnati, just even a couple of games ago, he's your third down guy. He makes that first down happen, and you've got to figure out a way to get him more involved. Some would say this is a Zach Taylor thing. This is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has to see the field better. It doesn't matter who it is. They got to get on the same page and find a way to get Tyler Boyd involved because he could still make plays out there. He's, he's still one of your guys. For him to only have two targets – that's not going to help you at, at any point in any game. And I think that was just a huge miss. And it's very easy to criticize when, when they fall by that much, but they've got to figure it out because you can spread the ball around and still make Tyler Boyd a big part of this offense. I asked Brian Callahan about this on uh, Tuesday during the conference call, Lindsay. And I said, uh, how satisfied have you been with the running backs and the tight ends in their role in the passing game? And what I was getting at there, and he alluded to it in his answer, is they have not been good on third down. I think they have uh, converted 38% of the time, and that's only good for 21st in the NFL. It's just not good enough. Uh, they are not converting when they need to, when the chips are down uh, too many of the times on third down, and they've got to get the running backs more involved. And I'll tell you the name. Every fan wants to hear on third down is Chris Evans. They want more Tyler Boyd. They want more Chris Evans. I agree 100% with that. And I think you you look back at Samaj P. Ryan, not trying to be too down on him right now because he didn't have his best game, but you got to put the best guys out there. No and question. Chris Evans is coming back from an injury, but he can he's healthy. He's going to be healthy when they go to Las Vegas and, and they play the Raiders. So I think it's important to get him out there. And also Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon can catch a football. Give him some passes out there too. So I think you got to get both going with this offense. There's still plenty of playmakers. And the thing is, there's not one selfish guy on this team. Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, CJ Uzama, Jamar Chase, None of these guys are selfish out there when it comes to make sure you're giving me the ball all the time. But when you have all these options to choose from, you got to spread the ball around, especially when people are doubling down on your number one receiver right now. Well, that's a great point, Lindsay. And I think we've spent a lot of time after the last two losses talking about the chemistry and the 
uh, cohesion in the locker room. Obviously, after the uh, Jet loss, the three amigos, Joe Mixon, uh, Jesse Bates, and Tyler Boyd came out and said, we have got each other's backs. Uh, CJ Uzama, uh, after the game against Cleveland, came out and said he had a conversation with Jamar Chase saying, you know, look, everybody in this room accepts responsibility for their own play. There is not any finger pointing at anybody else. And I think as long as that basis holds and that attitude holds, this team's going to fight through it because I still, as Bill Belichick told me a long time ago, believe in the roster. If you believe in the roster and you believe, like you said earlier, Lindsay, if you believe in the talent on the roster and the guys who are healthy, then you're going to be able to fight through what sometimes seems like 10 losses in a row when it's only two. Yeah. Just going to, I, I know with COVID protocols and restrictions, it's a little bit different when it comes to locker room access over the last two years, but I've been going down to the locker room since 2013 mm-hmm. and, you know, losing all the time, going into a lot of losing locker rooms. There, there's no finger pointing, but it gets hard after a while and guys that start to get quiet and it's a little bit less praise. And you've seen the way this team has come out the last couple of weeks, even Joe Mixon said in the post game on Sunday, this is for the city. This is for the fans. And, and they want to win for a lot of people in that locker room. And just Cincinnati alone, CJ Uzama, I know you tweeted out the video of him in the post game. And he's been one of those guys. I, I say he's a, he's a big hype man for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think we'll look back Huge. on that. Video, you know, after these next eight games, look back on that video. And maybe that's a turning point for this team in these next eight games. The AFC North is a tight race. The AFC in general there's no team that's really standing out besides you could say the Tennessee Titans, but it's still a shakeup without Derrick Henry. So I think it's still still out there for them and, and to have the chemistry and the culture. And I know how a lot of people feel about culture talk, but Zach Taylor has been able to do that and input that during a lot of losing seasons. And now he wants to see the benefit of that, of winning. And I think the guys he has in there is the right group to kind of get them out of the funk they're in over the last two games. I definitely agree with that. I mean, proof will be in the pudding, Lindsay. We know that. But I believe that the chemistry in that locker room uh, is of the belief, and all of these guys believe that, look, we know we've lost two straight. We know we didn't put our best foot forward against the Browns, but we also know that this is still a talented locker room, uh, and we've got depth at some positions that we didn't have in the past, and I think that's going to matter. Uh, speaking with Lindsey Patterson of Q102 and allbengals.com, when you tweeted out the podcast of yours with TJ Hushmanzada, I smiled, and I'm like, how much fun did Lindsay have doing that interview? How much fun did you have? Always a good time. I will give TJ so much credit. I've been talking to him. I feel like I talked to him once a year during the off season and during mm-hmm. regular season. And he always answers. And it's funny because uh, a little backstory on it. I had sent him a Please. message. Hey, TJ, let's talk. I want to talk wide receivers because I know he worked with Joe Burrow in the off season. He's worked with the different guys and you know, even though he was more of an offensive line versus taking the wide receiver, which is a little surprising coming from a wide receiver, uh, getting to talk about that. He's like, yep, totally. I'll do it. No big deal. No problem. So I reminded him the following week, just, Hey, DJ wanted to nail that down that time. He goes, can you do it in 10 minutes? Can you do the interview? And I was like, let's do it because you know, when you need to get an interview, it doesn't matter where you are. You're going to make it work. Um, right. and he's able to do it. And he always lets me take up so much time, but 
TJ is definitely someone who will always feel underrated in, in history in Cincinnati, but a guy who I just like talking ball with. He's obviously over at Fox now and he's getting the social media account because um, he says his bosses over there want him to. So it's been, it's been fun talking about this team with him and it's a team that, you know, he still follows and he wants Joe Burrow to be that, to be the guy in the city to change things, to win playoff games, bring championships here. And it's just always cool to see from a former player. What does he think of Burrow? Oh, from, from day one, this guy believes in him and he's obviously worked with Carson Palmer plenty of times. And he just felt like this can be the guy. And and he even said this in an interview, I'm paraphrasing a little bit of it. I did it with him last November. It was prior to Joe Burrow's injury. He said, you know, I was kind of hard. Like, can, can anybody be Carson Palmer in Cincinnati? That guy was going to, unfortunately he had to deal with injuries was really going to bring Super Bowls, playoff wins, everything to the Bengals. He goes, I think Joe can be that guy. He's like, I'm a real believer in just the small sample size of his rookie year that he's going to be able to bring the wins to Cincinnati. And, you know, that's pretty high praise from someone who's played with one of the best Bengals quarterbacks in history. So I, I think I, I agree with TJ. I mean, I know I, we were, I was being critical of the interceptions, but I think Joe's going to turn it around. And it, it's very exciting to see. You're obviously familiar with all the Cincinnati sports history. You're from here. I grew up around here it's a lot of heartbreak and yep. it's so exciting for a fan base. And I know they're at five and four right now coming off two losses to get that excitement from a player who, who might be able to bring it here. And I think a lot of people nationally locally believe that too. Well, Lindsay, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it's a incumbent on the organization and the players primarily to reassure the fans at every step of the, along the path because the fans and I wrote, wrote this on Sunday, the fans have been burned so many times that when they see a game, like they saw on Sunday, they're like, they're just not that good. You want to believe in them, but the, but the history that the fans carry with them brings them down. And the players are trying to say, Hey, look, I know what the hit, we all know what the history is, but it's not going to be the same this year. And this is why, and the attitude, the attitude is different. And I think the, the mere fact, Lindsay, that the players get that and they understand that culture and what, what the culture was and what it's being transformed into now, I think that's a very positive sign. Yeah, and these guys, they don't know all the history. Obviously, they know they haven't won a playoff game in over 30 years, but they're in here. They haven't because- lived it. Yeah, they haven't lived it. I shouldn't say they don't know it. They did their homework. They definitely know, but they haven't lived that experience. A lot of these guys are coming off of championship teams. You can look at Clemson. You can look at LSU. They just want to win or they're going to do everything they can to bring wins to Cincinnati. And I, I truly believe that. I think that's that's more of a mindset. I want to give Joe Goodberry credit here because he had tweeted out something a couple of days ago. And he said, Please. Joe, Joe Burrow, you know. He had nothing to do with Jeremy Hill fumbling that ball in the 2015 playoff game. That's in the past. And unfortunately, that's the only thing a lot of fans have. Believe me, I grew up with it. I have a family who have season tickets my whole entire life. I, I think the mindset, though, has to change that maybe these guys can do it. Because we've talked so much about this roster ever since they drafted Joe Burrow that maybe 2022 was when they were going to start to compete. And I said it last offseason, when is it going to be? the mindset of maybe this year they can compete. Maybe, maybe we don't start thinking about the future and we say, well, what about this roster? What about now? 
because a lot of people would say this is probably a year earlier than they thought that they would be in the conversation in the AFC. And, and I still think they can be, there's a lot of football left to pe- play. And I think the mindset of, of the heartbreak and fans, I, I totally understand, but you have to kind of change that a little bit and appreciate with where, where they're at right now. Uh, like you had mentioned when we started the podcast, if you would have said that this team was going to be five and four going into the bye week, I think right. people would have taken it in a heartbeat. Unfortunately, it's the way the last two games have gone. If you look at the AFC North right now, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, being able to bounce back from from their rough start. The Ravens are atop of the AFC North. The Browns have struggled, and and they're all right there in the bunch. And the Bengals have played two or three division games. They're two and one in it right now. So, I think it's it's more of Maybe I'm too optimistic when I look at this organization and this club because I do know the heartbreak, but I think you kind of have to change that because you have a guy like Joe Burrow in the locker room who's going to be able to to change the way the organization was in the past. So I've said that made this analogy on many occasions. I've written it. I've done, you know, as much comparing of these two situations as possible. Nobody in Boston thought that the Red Sox would ever beat the Yankees until they did. And you're talking about 86 years of frustration, curses, and all that BS until it happened. And I thought in 2015, before that bumble, I thought that was going, you know, the Bengals being down 15 to nothing in that game with a backup quarterback, all of the stars aligning. And then AJ McCarron finds AJ Green in the end zone in the rain. I'm like, oh my God. Then Ben gets intercepted. Oh my God, they're going to win this game. And it's going to be that, you know, 2004, the Red Sox come back from three, nothing down and and finally put the stake in the heart of the Yankees. I thought they were going to do that to the Steelers. And there still needs to be that moment where in the postseason, the Bengals get it done and take that next step. And I think the small sample size of that, because obviously it's not the same as a playoff when you look at Monday night football last year on their third, their backup, backup quarterback on primetime football. All the Bengals can't win on primetime. They finally get the Monday night football win over a pretty good Steelers team. The following year, you look at this year, they just demolished, thrashed the Ravens and did a pretty good job against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, they're coming off a really bad Browns L, but at the same time, these small victories of, of what they've been able to do in prime time, beating the rivals and kind of competing and showing that, hey, we belong in the AFC North conversation too when you talk about the playoffs in 2021. So I agree. There's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot to look back on from Carson Palmer Steelers playoff game injury to 2015 where that game felt won and lost 5 million different ways. I, I think now is you slowly get there. And there's eight games to play. Anything is possible. They could all crumble and not figure it out on defense. And, and Joe Burrow could struggle the second half of the season. Or they can get it together and they get in the postseason. And they finally get a postseason win. And I say win right now because I know a lot of people are like, I want more than just one playoff win. But you got to start where they're at. You, you got to get over that hump first. And, and getting into the playoffs would be huge because it's been six years. <laughs> it's It's been a long ride. Speaking with Lindsey Patterson of Q102 and allbengals.com. So, Lindsey, you tweeted this out, and we'll finish up with this. You would think that Joe Burrow was the highest-graded player by Pro Football Focus, the fantastic uh, analytics people at Pro Football Focus, uh, after nine weeks. He is not. You remember who was? 
now I'm losing my train of thought because one of the things I, I just tweeted it out. So I should know. I'm, I, why I'm I, quizzing you. I, I didn't mean to catch you off guard, but Hey, it's not a Trags uh, jungle roar podcast without catching the guest off guard. You did because one of the things, as I was staring at it, I was like, wow, this is so bizarre that I've got happened. the answer. So it, you, you I need, need you to get the answer. DJ reader. And we just had him on the Tuesday conference call. He was the only player to speak on Tuesday before all the players got out of Dodge for the bye week. Uh, Well-deserved bye week, I might add. Um, But DJ Reader was the only player to speak on Tuesday. And his son, Rocky's uh, two years old as we record this here on this Tuesday. Uh, But I think DJ Reader has been one of the great surprises of this 2021 defense. I agree 100%. It's unfortunate that he had to deal with that injury last season because the funny thing is, or or the crazy thing about it, I'll always remember March of of last year when it was kind of free agency was starting and no big moves for the Cincinnati Bengals. And everyone's like, oh, same old story. They're not spending any money. And he was the start of them spending a lot of money the last two years. And obviously they're buffing up that defense. And he's one of those guys. And I hear, well, DJ Reader should be performing. They paid him all that money. Come on. You looked around the NFL before. How many big-name contracts get get paid every year and these players do not perform? For him to come off the injury that he has and be a spark on the field, off the field, he's a great interview. I always enjoy hearing from him. I think it's awesome and really surprising with how he's produced just in just in 2021, his second year with the Cincinnati Bengals. I also think, and I think many people who have watched that defensive line perform this year at a very high level um, would agree that Larry Ogunjobi is a big reason DJ Reader has increased his play this year. Yeah, Nick, that's a big question too, because when you talk about some of the extensions for this team right now, they have some hard decisions to make. I know it was a lot of talk of extending Jesse Bates and that's a question mark right now. What's going to happen in the offseason? They don't do extensions during the season, so I don't see any of that happening until the end of the season. But you have some decisions to make, a good decisions, good problems to have when you look at both sides of the ball. Who are you bringing back? What do you decide with Larry? I just I think that it's a good problem in a lot of ways, but it's going to be a, either a busy or a quiet offseason for this team when it comes to the extension room. Just to finish up that thought, DJ Reader at 85.8, Joe Burrow at 85.0 is second. That's not a surprise. Joe Mixon third at 82. Jamar Chase, the super rookie, I think uh, the odds on favorite to be AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, He is at 76.6. And then a three-way tie among the next three most important Bengals, Chidobe Awuzie, uh, certainly has had a terrific year as a shutdown corner for the Bengals, T Higgins and BJ Hill. And again, another under the radar acquisition uh, right around the start of the season. Of course, he was acquired, I think, in a very savvy trade with the New York football giants for one Billy Price. Yeah, the, the Hill trade, that one just paid off for them big time from, from day one. And with Billy Price, you know, good for him. He's getting starts in New York, but at the same time, he wasn't going to get used in Cincinnati. I know that the center position on the offensive line is still something that this team has to reevaluate going into next year and, and maybe Definitely. just this season. 
But I think that that's a win for them because, you know, this team, they don't do a lot of trades or anything like that. But to get that done and, and to add to their defense was just a great move on the Bengals front office. I think Duke Tobin is also, for the most part, you know, you can throw Jackson Carmen in my face, but um, I think for the most part, he has done a tremendous job, both through drafting, free agency, at least on the defensive side of the ball, not the offensive line, of course, but on the defensive side of the ball through free agency uh, and in some uh, savvy trades, uh, he has done a really terrific job of building this roster. Anything else on your plate as we sit here and speak, Lindsay? Not a whole lot. You know, it's crazy because I'm, I'm not full-time covering the team or anything like that. We'll have work over on, on all Bengals and over on Sports Illustrated. So I'm really excited about that. I'll have an interview out later this week. But at the same time, you know, bye week doesn't mean anything. There's still stories. There's still things yeah. to write. There's still there a lot is. Of team going on. And, and obviously the AFC North is still a tight race. So no, nothing, nothing too exciting. It's been fun catching up. You remember the last time I was on, uh, on air with you, right? You were probably on with Mo. Was was, that- no, there, there was an interview you did with me when the Patriots were in Cincinnati. And that was Lindsay, the uh, film gate week when the, when, when the Patriots were in Cleveland filming the Bengals Browns game and uh, someone with the Bengals saw the Patriots doing a little something they shouldn't have been doing up in the press box. That's you when know, you had me on because the, because the Patriots played the Bengals the next week at Paul Brown stadium. That was a game that the uh, Andy Dalton kept the Bengals in it uh, for the first half. Actually Patriot mistakes kept the Bengals in it, but uh, then Andy had a couple of Andy esque interceptions uh, to start at the end of the first half and the open the third quarter to uh, Stefan Gilmore now with Carolina and uh, the Patriots ran away with the win, but that's the last time I was on the air with you. I, so it's funny that is all coming back in my head. I remember that what's crazy about that is I actually went to the game in Cleveland. I was working that game and I remember being in the press box thinking, why is someone, cause you're obviously familiar with cameras and, and mm-hmm. how you do you know, or TV, anything like that. You normally don't have your cameras set up in the press box. And I remember thinking, what's really odd that this man has a camera that is set up in this press box. I didn't think twice about it because I'm in Cleveland. It's a road game covering for the inquire. And little did we know 24 hours later that the guy shouldn't have had his camera in there. And it was, uh, it was caught and the recording and all of that stuff. That was, that was wild. But now it's all clicking that I, that I definitely did interview not, not so long ago. Patriots uh, football operations, Lindsay, were, were not happy when they got word that the camera was rolling because they knew what was coming. They knew it. Ha- Look, it was Kraft Sports Productions. That's the the entertainment arm of the New England Patriots for those. In, this is a little inside football here, but uh, it's the entertainment uh, arm. They do their own uh, TV shows during the week and broadcast them on local stations that contract with them uh, up in the New England, Boston area. Uh, and that's what it was. That's what the film, the B-roll, as we like to call it, was for. However, they had it down on the sideline and they knew be- they should have known better or they shouldn't have been in the press box, but they should have known better. You don't record <laughs> during a game signals on the sideline. Never, never. And that one, uh, 
that was just another story to add to the to the Patriots, unfortunately. But wow, that is bringing back a lot of memories. And I definitely had no clue. I was very confused why that camera was up. But now it all it all ties in and makes sense. But uh, but no, wow, it's been a minute though. It's been a minute. And honestly, I've I've told Bengals fans this plenty of times. You're doing great work here. Thank you, um, Lindsay. It's very sweet. Maybe you're good luck. Maybe you're bringing mm. the Patriots, uh, you know, the wins and everything like that. Maybe maybe that'll happen in Cincinnati because you're here. We need a tuck roll game. We need uh, like uh, Joe Burrow to throw an interception and have it uh, be ruled out by uh, a late, late, late penalty flag of roughing the pass or something like that. And then Evan McPherson in a rare Cincinnati snowstorm on a Saturday night kicks a field goal, um, you know, from 45 yards to win the game or force overtime and then kick the game winner in a snowstorm and overtime. Then I'll, then I'll be a believer in that, that potential theory. But anyway, I want to thank you, Lindsay. I know you got to run here. Um, Really appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast. I want to thank everybody for downloading this episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. You can download everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts like Apple, Stitcher, and of course, Spotify. I want to also, of course, thank our terrific guest, Lindsay Patterson of Q102 and allbengals.com. She's doing outstanding work in both locales. For Lindsay Patterson, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Jungle Roar podcast.